Hey, welcome to the podcast of C3 Los Angeles. I'm Jake Sweetman, and together with my wife, Nicole, we lead this church. We're glad you're here, and we pray that wherever you're tuning in from, that you are encouraged and strengthened by this word. Here's today's message. The title of my message today is Crucial. Crucial. And I'm going to, at the top of my message, do something that's probably a faux pas, but I'm going to tell you what my entire goal is today. My entire goal is that you would leave here today realizing that the part that you play in the church is crucial. That you are necessary to what God is doing in the city of Los Angeles. That God does not make mistakes. That he does not have superfluous parts of the body. He does not have nice-to-haves. He has crucial parts of his body, and you are one of them. And this is important for us to know, not just because it's necessary for us to live the abundant life that Jesus calls us to, but you understanding that you're crucial makes me be able to live the abundant life that I've been called to. The person in front of you, behind you, to your left and your right can only live the life that God has called them to the fullest if you're doing your part in the body as well. We are crucial. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm crucial. Touch your other neighbor and say, you need me. In order for us to dive into this and truly understand it, I'm going to be going into a portion of scripture in the Bible from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is a letter written to the church in Corinth by Paul. Paul is uh, uh, the original gangster. He is amazing. He wrote the majority of your New Testament, and he is what the Bible calls an apostle. And part of his role as an apostle is that he speaks to the church so that it looks like the way that God wants it to look like. He shapes it and he molds it, which means that he addresses the good things and he celebrates those, and he addresses the bad things and he corrects those. And in this scripture here, we are in the midst of a letter that he is writing to a church in Corinth where he is bringing correction. He is also painting a picture of what the church is supposed to look like. The church in Corinth, they're, um, they're a bunch of cheeky people. They're like naughties. And uh, it's pretty crazy because he's writing to them to address just some small things like idolatry and immorality and division and bad theology. So he's writing to them. And and where we pick up our text today, it's just after he's kind of smacked them around and realigned them on spiritual gifts and what they're supposed to be used for. And then he jumps into an incredible analogy of what the body of what the church looks like. The church is a body, like a human body. And so this is where we pick up our text today. It says this in verse 12 of chapter 12. It says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. This is, this is one of my favorite parts right here. Now, if the foot should say, because I've never seen a foot speak. <laughs> if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would its sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would its sense of smell be? But, in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. 
If we were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Verse 21 says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with less, sorry, the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together giving greater honor to the parts that lack it, so that there should be no division in the body and that its parts should have equal concern for one another. So verse 26 is one of the most beautiful scriptures in all of the Bible. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Let's pray. Thank you, God. God, we thank you for the honor it is to be a disciple of your son, Jesus. And today, we choose to walk in the truth of your scriptures. Holy Spirit, we ask that you reveal to us the truth that you are wanting each one of us to take today. That you would speak through your scriptures and through your word. That your heart would be communicated and every one of us would leave here understanding that we play a crucial part in the story that you are writing for humanity right now. That every single one of us has a role to play in the order of seeing this city changed and turned right side up for you. We thank you right now that you chose us, you redeemed us, and you set us on the path to becoming more like you. In your name we pray, amen, amen. Awesome. Well, hey, a few years ago, I was out with some friends, and we were riding motorcycles in the Angeles Forest. It was absolutely beautiful. There was five of us. It was stunning. Uh, out of the five, one of us crashed, and it was me. I was coming around a corner. It was about 90 degrees. It was hot. I don't know why I said that, but it was. And uh, I came around a corner. All four people in front of me got around the corner fine. I, however, decided that I think I would like to taste asphalt. And so at 50 miles an hour, I slid. And don't worry, my fall was broken by my collarbone. So, I, you know, I stand before you, part man, part machine, and I have a three-inch plate and 16 titanium screws in my shoulder. I have a, uh, an anchor that they put in the bottom of my shoulder blade and a Kevlar rope that ties to the top of that plate to hold it down. And that is why my ringtone is Titanium by Sia. One of the reasons. It's a great song. I'd never broken a bone in my body my entire life. I'd never been under, under anesthesia. I had never been in, I had never been in a traumatic ex- car crash, especially not one that was, you know, like by my own <laughs> stupidity. And so here I find myself standing in the midst of the grandeur of our healthcare system for the first time ever with my shoulder hanging off by the side of my body. And uh, I went through a surgery, I went through rehabilitation, and I experienced a hospital. And here's what I learned through all of this. There's two main things that I learned. Is that number one, it is, 
it is an absolute fact that I am the worst motorcycle rider out of all of my friends. <laughs> I'm not very good at it. That's the first thing I learned, but that's not necessary for us to go into today. The second thing I learned is what I want to talk about today. And that second thing is this, is that the body is interconnected. Every single part of it ties into the next part. When I got out of that surgery, it may have been on my shoulder, but when I moved my toe, my goodness, I felt pain over my entire body. When I turned my neck, I knew that it could possibly turn, hurt my shoulder, but when I was going to move my knee, I had no idea that that was going to somehow affect what was going on up here. The body is interconnected, and that is because our body may be one thing, but it is made of many parts. Each one of those parts has a crucial role and plays an important part. They are independent in their function, but they are ultimately reliant on one another. Their purpose is unique to itself, but necessary to the whole. My lungs breathe oxygen in. It takes oxygen into my bloodstream. Then it goes into my heart, and it pumps life throughout my entire body. If my lungs stop working, the life stops flowing. Now, my lungs can't pump the blood. That's what my heart does. But my lungs have a role and a purpose, and they are a part of my body. They benefit the whole. And so it's interesting to me what we have right now in this scripture where Paul is drawing a picture between the church, the people that make up God's church, and how it is supposed to be acting like a body, that it is similar to a body, that it has many parts that all make up one, and every one of those parts is important. This isn't the first time that Paul uses this analogy. Matter of fact, he writes it to the church in Rome. He writes it to the church in Ephesus. He writes it to the church in Colossae. He says to the church in Rome, he says in chapter 12, verse 4 and 5, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ the, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. In Colossians, you can read it again. The writer of the majority of our New Testament. This is like his, his like analogy of the ages that the Holy Spirit gave him for us to learn from. It is an intentional analogy that Paul has been gifted that we get to reap the benefits of today. Paul's writing to them in Corinth and what he is saying to them runs true to us today. Because Corinth... Well, Corinth was a church, but this church was made up of people. And who knows that people are messy? And you see, our, our, our God, yeah, our God is so good. Our God is so good that he takes us in our mess. And he meets us there. And then what he does is he, he goes to work. And he saves and he redeems us. But then he places us in a church. And so what, what, why Paul is writing to the church in Corinth is because these people have been saved out of Corinth and they've been placed into the church, but they still have some of the baggage that they've brought with them from their past life. They still have some of the behaviors and the stigmas and the ideas. And so that's why this idolatry, the immorality, the division, the I'm better than you mentality is seeping into this church. It's because they're saved, but they're just starting on their journey. And so they're becoming more like the body. And so Paul writes this incredible story to them. And he is so intentional on how he explains this analogy. Because what he's trying to do is he's trying to highlight to them, you're now in the kingdom of God. You have been saved into the church. 
And the church has its own culture. And the culture that you're bringing in is contrary to the culture that's supposed to be running rampant in our church. And so he writes to them, and in verse 12, he says, just as a body, the one has many parts, all of its parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. He starts to highlight the unity of its church and its reliance on one another. He is pointing out that it doesn't matter about your heritage. It doesn't matter about your pedigree. It doesn't matter about your education, your social status. It doesn't matter what society says about you. It matters that you're in the body. And as soon as you're in the body, you're in the body. And when you're in the body, you have a part. And that part is not small. It is crucial to the whole body. He starts to paint the picture that every single part of the body is crucial. Every single part has a purpose. Just like I stand up here today and the reason I'm not falling over is because I have a pinky toe. You could be a pinky toe. (laughs) Every part has its purpose. I may not see my kidneys, but they filter out poison. They have a purpose. And right now you're probably thinking like, well, this is cool. I've been in church for a while. I've probably heard, you know, this analogy around the body and I get it. Every, you know, there's a body, every, every part has its function and I'm just doing my part. But the, but the reality is, is sometimes when we're in church, we don't realize that some of the baggage that we brought with us is affecting how we view church. And so there's a difference between knowing what the Bible says and then walking in what the Bible says. There's a difference between taking knowledge and putting it into action. I know this is true because every single one of us realize the basics of economics. I have a certain amount coming in, and if I spend less than that, then I'll have some left over. If I put a budget in place and I stick to the budget, I'm going to have a surplus. I also know that just two days ago, it was Amazon Prime Day, and so right now, there tends to be a myriad of boxes arriving on all of our doorsteps, instant gratification. I know, I, let me make this personal, I know that if, if I want to look good by the pool this summer, I've got to go to the gym, I've got to stick to my workout plan, and I've got to put down the Dunkins and pick up the kale. But the reality is, is it's probably going to be 90 degrees this week. I'm going to be at a pool real quick, and I haven't done any of those things. Because knowledge is different than action. And so sometimes we know that we're a part of the body. We know that we have a specific function. Here's the, here's the cultural climate of the church in America today. Less than 20% of the people that attend church come more than once a month. That means that in a room full of 100 people, 80 of them are there for the, for the one time that month for the 12 times that they're gonna be in church, the body, that year. The numbers get even more detrimental when you start diving below, just turning up to church to, are they connected to other people within their community? Are they going to serve the community or are they part of connect groups or neighborhood groups or parts of connection throughout the week? See, we know as Christians that the body is important, but sometimes we treat the body and our part in it, instead of being crucial, it's optional. It gets even more intense when you look at the fact that less than 20% of the church knows that they're gifted spiritually by God, what those gifts are or even could be, and how they can use those to serve each other. 
You see, it's one thing to know what we're capable of. It's one thing to know the way that God has designed it. It's another thing to take that knowledge and put it into action. But I'm crucial. God has chosen me. We know this is not, obviously, I'm talking about other churches here. This is not us. <laughs> and, and, and part of this is not our fault. Like the Corinthians, some of this we're just not aware of, the baggage we bring. You see, we as a society have moved towards an individualistic culture. And this is not, we, we, you didn't do this, by the way. This happened during the Industrial Revolution. We switched from small communities and families that were reliant upon each other, that being the culture of America, to us now going into the Industrial Revolution, which has now promoted self and promoted independence. And hear me, I'm really happy that I have an iPhone. That's, um, that's part of that. I'm happy that I'm not farm, Farmer Ralph and I get to go to Ralph's. Um, I'm, I'm, there's, some, there's, some positive, there's some positive things to this. But one of the things that has happened is that we have developed an individualistic culture in America. And, and so, so what is an individualistic culture? I'm so glad you asked. An, individual, an individualistic culture is a culture that separates them, ourselves from the needs of others. An individualistic culture is a culture that lives separate from the needs of other people. A culture that lives more and views their life as more important than the lives that are around them. Uh, that an individual culture has a habit of being independent, a habit of being self-reliant. And you don't need to look around in society much to find evidence of this. And I'm not talking about just terms like self-made blank or climbing the corporate ladder and smushing whoever you need to to get to the top. Those are, sure, terms of individualistic culture, but we actually live in a country and a nation that legislates this kind of stuff, that is trying to separate the family unit, a culture that says you can be whatever you want to be whenever you want to be at any minute of the day, regardless of the implication that has on society, the people around you, or the life that you live in yourself. An individualistic culture, it's kind of tempting because it sounds good on the outside. People are considered good in an individualistic culture if they are self-reliant, assertive, and independent. That sounds cool, but the problem is, is that that's actually counter to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, it has a culture where characteristics like self-sacrifice, dependence, generosity, being helpful to others, those are prized above everything else. So it's less about what I do and what I get and how I live, and it's more about what I'm contributing to. That's also similar to your body. This is why Paul is drawing this picture. This isn't necessarily our fault that we think this way. There's an anthropological term called enculturation, and it's basically the idea that what you grow up in, it creates the norms for your perception. That's why in some cultures, it's normal to put rings around your neck to elongate your neck, and that is beauty. But to us, we're like, what? That's enculturation, what is normal to them. And for us, individualistic culture, that's just normal. It's normal for me to be independent. It's normal for me to be self-reliant. It's normal for me to put my needs above everybody else. And, and just like us today, the church in Corinth is dealing with the exact same thing. And Paul is writing to them. He's saying, hey, guys, it's less about you, and it's more about the whole body. You do have a part to play. But your part is for the benefit of everybody, not just for the benefit of you. 
Psalm 139 says this in verse 23. It says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the everlasting ways. You see, what we have to do as parts of the body is we have to say, God, would you just search me of the things that I've got messed up right now? The perceptions of church and what it gets from me, what I get, what I give to it. Would you just help me rewrite my, how I view my part in the body today? Would you help me define it the way that your word defines it? We have to be careful not to let this individualistic culture start to seep into the way that we perceive the church. Because instead of coming to a place where we contribute and we receive from, it starts to sound like a place that we walk into and we go, man, I hope, I hope pastor's preaching about exactly what I need to hear specifically that I decided on the way here this morning. <laughs> instead of, man, I'm so excited to hear where God is taking his bride. We walk in going, that song again? Third week in a row? Paris, get over it. Why can't we bring back oceans? <laughs> it becomes about, worship suddenly comes about what I need to feel the, the goosies instead of glorifying God in the community. It turns from, I don't really, I don't really have, I don't really want to go to group to no, I have to show up for the people in my life. Because why? I'm crucial. What I have is crucial to the person beside me. What I'm going through, God can still shine through. What I've been through, he can still encourage somebody else through. I am crucial. I am a part of his body. See, we've got to stop focusing on our individual needs because what that does is it tends to negate the importance that we play in church. What it leads to is instead of viewing ourselves as crucial, we view ourselves as optional, unimportant, or even overlooked. And I'm not saying that you have to turn up and pour everything out every week and you never get anything. But I am saying that the body is something that receives and it gives. It's something that takes, I take oxygen in and I expel carbon monoxide out. Carbon dioxide, yeah. <laughs> We'd all be going to the hospital if that was the case. <laughs> the Bible says that when you refresh others, you yourself will be refreshed. Everyone is at a different point of your journey. Please don't hear this and say, also, oh, I've got to have everything together before I come to church and contribute something. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying we're all on a part of a journey. And in that part of your journey, it's not a hotel. It's a journey. So you may be in a season of walking or you may be in a season of running. You may be in a season of pushing a plow. But either way, you're always moving forward in the kingdom of God. You're, when you are a part of the body, the body is moving, and so you are moving. At sometimes, if you're hurt, then the rest of the body, they help you out. But either way, the body keeps moving, and you are a part of it. When I broke my collarbone, the doctor diagnosed it. He did the surgery. He put me back together, and then he placed me in the care of the nurses. I went from the operating room to the recovery room. The nurse that was in there, her role was to make sure that I came out of anesthesia and that my vitals stabilized. Once that was done, I moved from that room into my beautiful hospital room. And then I had a team of nurses that were coming in. And their role was to periodically check my vitals, make sure that I was being fed, make sure that I was hydrated. 
And then after I left the hospital, I went into physical therapy. And that person's role was to strengthen, stretch, and push me so that I could be all that I could be. I could get back the range of mobility. That's a miracle right there, by the way. You don't know that. And just like that journey, every single one of us plays a part. Jesus comes into the life of somebody and he does the surgery. He removes the heart of stone and he puts in a heart of flesh. But then he places you in the care. And some of us are in the recovery room. Some of us are in the, nur- we're in the care of the nurses getting our vitals checked. Some of us are being stretched and molded to look more like him. Some of us are doing the checking of the vitals. Some of us are doing the stretching and the molding. Either way, every single part of the body has a purpose. Every single part of the body is crucial. If my vitals dip, because the nurse isn't playing her part, I go away. There has to be a nurse. If, if the doctor's not there to remove my pain and help me get better, then I, what, 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 why am I even here? Every single part has a role. If the therapist isn't there to push me and stretch me so that I go places where I wouldn't go on my own, then I would, I would stay handicapped in my Christianity for the rest of my life. Every single one of us has a crucial role to play. It looks different for every single one of us, but every one of us has a part. There's an amazing man in our church. His name is Ben Kay. You've seen him play on the drums. He's got his wife, Haley, serves in kids. They have two incredible kids, and they've been a part of our community. And they came in, and they have their own story. And they came into our church, and uh, he was very upfront. All I can give right now is showing up. I said, great, showing up is half the battle because the Holy Spirit resides in you. So when you show up, you're bringing God into the room. So you're contributing in that moment. He understood the role that he had. But I also said to him, I said, but I'm gonna be checking in with you. So he went from showing up to worshiping. So now not only was he bringing the presence of God with him when he entered the room. He was also contributing to the glorification of God. And that's what he was doing in that season. The next season, he started coming to our group. And at first, he was just there. This is a big step. And then he started sharing and encouraging other people. Then I asked him to lead a week. And he led that week better than I could lead a group. My goodness. Now Ben leads his own group on Saturday mornings. There's over 30 people here in this building families coming together, dads and moms talking about the real things in life, sharing the, sharing the woes of raising children, and believe me, there's a lot, praying with one another, growing one another, all because Ben understood I'm a part of the body. I have a role and I have a purpose and I have some part to play. And I may only be able to play a small part right now, but I know eventually if I just keep showing up and I keep playing my part, then God is going to keep healing me. The people around me are going to keep checking my vitals. The people around me are going to keep pushing me. Because every single one of us is vital. My point is this. The role you play wherever you are right now is crucial. Everyone is crucial in the body. Everyone has a unique purpose. Everyone has a role to play. Everybody has been chosen by God to contribute to the community that he wants to build. And that contribution can only come from you. 
the unique purpose before the beginning of time when God was thinking of the future, he saw you and he said, that's the role that I want them to play in this church. That's the role, the person that I want them to impact. Us realizing how crucial we are now, it affects our community around us today. It also affects us for the person that walks in next week or five years from now, understanding that every part in this church is crucial and every person that walks through this door is chosen by God to be a crucial part of the body. And that part kind of preaches well. Like, I'm chosen, I'm the head, not the tail, like all that kind of stuff. But then Paul goes into verse 15, and here's where it gets kind of harder. Because Paul starts to put his finger on something in verse 15. He said, now if the foot shall say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body was an ear, where would the sense of smell be? So Paul's starting to drill deeper on what it means for the body to be unified, what it means for each part that is crucial to play a different role. But he also brings to light something new, that unity trumps personal preference. You may want to be an eye, but you're an ear. Yeah, but I want to be an eye. You're an ear. What about a mouth? You're still an ear. I don't even know how we're talking right now. You're an ear. Paul's saying to them, no matter what you do, you're not, you're not going to change that. And matter of fact, if you were to somehow become an eye, then how would we hear? I don't know about you. Eyes are important, but ears, ears are really important too. And if I want to be looking, but I can't hear God, Paul's trying to highlight that unity comes over personal preference. He's drawing a picture of the church, and he's showing that it prizes unity over preference, the whole over just the individuals. It is a a symbol, and it is a, a looking glass into how God works, that we are unique by design for a purpose in a whole thing, one thing. Paul is choosing to embrace what God, he choo- he's asking them to choose to embrace what God has called them to be rather than to compare and contrast themselves to other parts around you. Like I said, they were dealing with like division and stuff. Part of that was them comparing spiritual gifts to each other. And so what Paul is saying here is like, no, you, you have your part. Don't long after those, those things. God gives gifts to who he gives gifts to. He gives position to who he gives position to. The thing that you need to focus on is what has God given you and how do you run with what he's given you? He goes even deeper And he makes it abundantly clear in verse 18. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as you want them to be. No, just as he wants them to be. God has placed every part in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So we have to ask ourselves, am I good with what God called me to do? Am I good where he's placed me? I think I could do this, but, but my community needs this. Am I good with that? I went, I went to Pastor James and I said, man, I really think I could sing. And he said, that's awesome, but you know what we really need right now is we need godly men in our kids' church showing the young boys down there exactly what it means to be a man of God in the world today. Yet 
no, but I really want to sing. That's cool. Find someone else for that. Are, are we content with the part that God wants us to play right now that we have? Where is it that we're in the journey? Are we okay with the fact that God chose it? This revolts against everything that our culture says. This revolts against the idea that I can be what I want to be, when I want to be it, whenever I want to be it. And God says, no, 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 I designed and chose you to be this right now. I designed and chose you to be a crucial part in the body now and forevermore. Are you going to be okay in exploring what that looks like in the context of the community that I've placed you in? in the context of the body that you are a part of. And what I love about God is that he is ultimately the greatest example of this. You see, we serve God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Three, but one. Individual purpose, roles, and significance, but one. And what does he call us to be? He calls us to be one body full of independent, crucial parts, all making up a whole. I love when Jesus is going into heaven, he prays to the Father over his disciples. This is in John 17, and he says, he says, I pray that they would be like us, that they would be unified as one. What he's saying is, is that like, I want the church to be a picture of us. And the picture of the Trinity is that every single one of them has a role. Every single one of them has a purpose, and every single one of them makes up God. Every single one of us has a role. Every single one of us has a purpose, and all of us coming together make up the body of Christ. We make up the reflection of the glory of the Trinity in heaven here on earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Part of that is the church being what the church is designed to be, one body working with independent parts, moving forward, taking ground for Christ because everyone understands the role that they play and that that role is crucial. I love the way that Bishop Timothy Ware says, says this. He says, the church as a whole is an icon of God, the Trinity, reproducing on earth the mystery of the unity in diversity. Human beings are called to reproduce on earth the mystery of mutual love that the Trinity lives in heaven. Paul goes on and he says in verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while the presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lack it, so that there should be no division in the body, but the parts should have equal concern for one another. If one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honored, every part is honored. My question to you today is, have, have, have you felt like your part in the body is insignificant? Have you felt like the role that you play is optional rather than crucial? And I ask this not, not to make you feel bad, but to just say, what, what are we going to do about it? What kind of church do we want to be? Do we want to be the church where 80% of the room comes once a month? Or do we want to be a church that is connected, understanding that they are gifted and chosen and they have a crucial role to play? 
contributing to the greater goal of reaching more people for Jesus, bringing more people into the body. What is the part that we play? We get to today discover that part. There's three things I want you to write down. I'm going to do these quickly. Connected, convicted, and catalytic. Connected, convicted, and catalytic. Here's what I know about the body now that we've gone through this. Every single one of us has a unique purpose. Every single one of us has been chosen by God. And every single one of us is crucial. And that means that we have to be connected to one another. And I'm going to say something here. I want us to be connected to my church. I want to be connected to my church. Not just other Christians. Other Christians are awesome. I love them. But what has God called me to? What is the church that he's planted me into? I want to be connected to that. Sure, I'm going to have additional relationships, of course. But my primary focus is understanding the role and the position that God has put me in in the church that he has planted me in. What is the part that I'm going to play? And so what does that practically mean? Well, for some of you, you're like, Ben, maybe it's just showing up regularly. Maybe it's just saying, you know what, I'm, I'm making the step. This is now, this is not a negotiable anymore. I'm not going to wake up on Sunday morning and go, should I go to church? I'm going to wake up on Sunday morning and go, which service am I going to go to? Maybe I'll go to two. I don't know. For some of us, we, we, need to, we need to get off of the sidelines and we need to get into community. We show up regularly on Sundays, which is awesome. But throughout the week, we're disconnected from the body. From out the week, we're not utilizing the part that we have been made by God and serving each other. There's, there's two very practical ways that you can get connected to church. And that is by going to a neighborhood group or by serving on team. You do either one of those things, you're going to be connected to four to seven people in genuine relationship. Some of you need that. And some of you need to provide that. The Bible says in James 5.16, it says, confess your sins to one another, pray with one another, and you will be healed. Some of you are going to be healed, and some of you are going to be the prayers. But either way, you need to understand what your role is and how you play it out. And so you may think you don't need group, but I'm telling you, when you get into an atmosphere where somebody is coming in and their marriage is destroyed, or they are addicted to drugs, or they are finding themselves struggling with dark thoughts, and you sit down with them, you get to the root, and you pray with them, and they are healed, there is a, a satisfaction that you cannot compare to anything on this earth. And the difference between that is just by simply going, where am I going to be the part that God has called me to be the part? So we've got to be connected to our church. We've got to be in our community beyond just Sundays, but in the lives of people that we're in. One of my favorite parts of this year was watching Ben give a hug to one of the guys that he's been discipling as they got out of the water after they were baptized. It is an incredible thing when you understand the part that you play and that you are crucial in the body. We've got to be connected. The other thing is we've got to be convicted. You've got to realize that this life is not just about you, but it is about the glorification of God, that he puts you on this earth so that you could be like Jesus. We all know that part, but he came to serve, not to be served. 
We are convicted with a holy discomfort at reaching people and bringing them into the kingdom of God. This church should be full and exploding of people who do not know who Jesus is and being connected into the body, discovering that they have not been a mistake their whole life. They have been seen by a God in heaven who loves them. They have a purpose and a redemptive call, and it is our role to help them do that. When we know our part, we walk people in discovering who what their part is, what their story in Christ is, what their redemption is, and who they can help other people. We say it like this, we make and multiply disciples who walk Walk in the, in the truth of the scriptures by the power of the Spirit for sake of God's love. We've got to be convicted at walking people down the road, the journey of becoming a better part of the body. And then the last thing is catalytic. We're a church that is wholeheartedly on mission. I'm connected to my church. I'm convicted in my purpose so that I can take the gospel into all the world. One of, like I said, Paul was an apostle. One of the main things that he was responsible for was making sure that the gospel kept reaching out further and further and further. And when we get this stuff right, then we put ourselves in a place to be able to bring people into a healthy, functioning, beautiful representation of what heaven is like on earth, what community is like living in love and caring, suffering with one another, rejoicing with one another, building with one another, being at the greatest points of each other's lives to celebrate with people, to cry with one another when it's hard, but also to encourage one another to keep going. The church is the most incredible thing on this side of eternity. And when we give our whole lives to it, when we know our part, when we understand how God has called us, we set our church up, this body, to be a catalyst into the future, to be somewhere where people can come and realize that they have a purpose and a passion and a reality that can be lived out on a daily basis say I'm crucial I'm crucial so my ask of you is simple today how are you going to get connected further into the body where are you on your journey only you and God know that would you stand here today you've been listening to the C3 Los Angeles podcast if you found today's message helpful we encourage you to share it with a friend and consider rating it if you'd like more information about our church or details on how to get connected to a neighborhood group head to c3losangeles.com. We love you. Thanks for tuning in with us.